been a good day of worship today, hadn't it? It's good to be back in the house of God and good to be able to preach the word to you. I do stand in need of your continued prayers for myself and for us for preaching grace and listening and applying grace. If you will turn in the scriptures to Haggai. Haggai is the uh, third from the end of the Old Testament. Uh, Zephaniah, Haggai, Malachi. And if you were at Salt and Light, I'm sorry, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> if you were at Salt and Light, um, I brought two devotions from this first chapter of Haggai. And I want to, to bring this message again today, the, this evening. The title of the message comes from the first seven verses. The title of the message is Consider Your Ways. Consider Your Ways. And before I read the passage, I want to give a little background. And the background is that the Jews, due to their rebellion, uh, had been brought into captivity. They had been captured by Babylon. And um, when the Medes and the Persians took over Babylon, uh, the leader of the Persian Empire, King Cyrus, allowed the Jews to go free. So they were freed after some, some harsh oppression, Babylonian captivity. They had been freed. And as soon as they um, were freed, they started back to rebuild the temple of Jerusalem. The temple was where the worship of God took place. And they started to rebuild this temple with the purpose of worshiping God, rebuilding it completely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but they started on the foundation. And if you read actually in Ezra, in Ezra chapters 1 through 4, you'll note that they ran into some opposition. Some of their enemy, uh, neighboring enemies, remember we heard about the Samaritans, how the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. The Samaritans and others started to intimidate them and started to inhibit the progress of the rebuild of the temple. And sadly, as we'll see from the passage, it wasn't just their fear of the Samaritans and others, but it was also their own neglect, their own misplaced priorities that caused this foundation to have been rebuilt and 15 years had passed and it was nothing, nothing else but the foundation. The foundation had, had been built, 15 years passed, nothing else has been done. Let's read. Haggai chapter 1, and I'll read the first 11 verses. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, The people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? That's just a, a way of saying your expensive houses. And this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. 
Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man into his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called, this is God talking, I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labor of the hands. Let's pray again. Lord, please bless me as I try to expound your word. Uh, Lord, I pray that that you would um, just let your word speak. I pray that you would be glorified and teach us what we need to be taught. In Jesus' name, amen. Consider your ways. As you can tell, God was not very happy. And God is a very jealous God. As you can see, you are focusing on your houses. You're focusing on on your own hobbies, your own priorities. You're you're getting all the the nice amenities. Maybe if it's 2023, you're you're getting the the, uh, indoor pool and all the latest phones and gadgets, but my house is lying waste. Your priorities are misplaced. So what does he tell them to do? Two different times. It's time to consider your ways. You know, it's easy for us to make excuses. I know it's easy for me to make excuses and to put off uh, what I should be doing, to put off what is truly important. We can, we can, um, it's easy to, to self-justify. It's easy to um, rationalize and come up with reasons why I am not doing what is most important. Maybe I'm doing something that's important. I could be pouring my heart into, into my job, which is a good thing. God has called us to work, to, to the man, to support your family. Um, but am I pouring myself into that yet neglecting being a spiritual leader of my family. Well, this or something similar seems to have been happening here. The, uh, the Jews, yes, they were, they were in t- and I can imagine, they were probably pretty vulnerable emotionally. They had just been in captivity. They had been freed from Babylonian captivity. They're excited in Ezra chapter 4. The, the young men were shouting for joy. There was much joy that the house, the, the, the house of worship, the temple was going to be rebuilt. But then, there comes a, 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 a bump in the road, for lack of a better term. There comes a bump in the road when the neighboring countries, the neighboring enemy countries start to intimidate them. They write letters to the king to try to stop the rebuild of the temple. But then also, not only that happens, they just start to neglect. They start to um, put off what is most important and to misplace their priorities. How often do we misplace our priorities? I know that the Jews didn't necessarily say this with their mouths, and we may not say this with, their, with our mouths but what they were saying with their actions are, Lord, my house, my crops, my land, my comfort is more important to me than you and the worship of God, of the one true triune God of the universe. That's what they're saying with their actions. How often do we say that 
with our actions. Brother Isaac said this morning that worship is a good barometer. What did you say? Of the soul, yes. Worship is a good barometer of where our soul is at. Where's your soul here, Jews? Where's your soul, Grace Chapel? Where's my soul? So it's time to consider your ways. That literally means to, to put upon your heart, to think carefully your ways. Solomon would tell his sons in Proverbs chapter 4 to ponder the path of thy feet. Ponder the path of thy feet. Take inventory of your life. Take inventory of your decisions. Paul would tell the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Talking about redeeming the time, using our time well. He says, Walk circumspectly, walk carefully, walk wisely. Paul would also tell the Corinthians that before taking the Lord's Supper, what are we to do? We are to examine ourselves. We are to let a man examine himself. That literally means to scrutinize ourselves. We need to do self-examination. Where is my heart? Where are my priorities? And the psalmist would say in Psalm 119 verse 59, he would say, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. So, are we, are you, am I too busy for the Lord? Again, would, are we going to say that with our mouth? I surely hope not. Of course not. But by our actions, am I too busy for the Lord? And I'm, I am confident that we will make time for what is most important to us. We will make time for what is important to us. We will make time to get up and go to work or to, to uh, go get some groceries because we got to eat. We have to eat. Some of us are still foolish enough to get up two or three times a week before 5 a.m. to go exercise or play ball or something like that. We will make time for what is important to us. Do we have time to commune with our Lord every day? Do we have time to make the Lord's Day, to center everything we do throughout the week on the Lord's Day and the worship of our risen King on the Lord's Day? Or are we too busy? You know, self-examination is, is not necessarily a pleasant thing. Brother Zach has often said this. He says, he said that, that when we, when we um, consider our ways, it means that we have to be silent. And we don't like silence. We don't like silence. It means that we have to unplug. It means that we have to put our phones down. That we have to get rid of the distractions in order to truly say with the psalmist, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Because when we're unplugged and when we're silent, that's when we have to face ourselves. And that can be uncomfortable, can it? Why? Because we're sinners. We're sinners and we need to be repenters. One sign of, of a true child of God, a true saved person 
is that we, are, we have a, a, a heart of ongoing repentance, not in a sense of we can use God as a, we can use God in a way of, you know, I can, I can do this and then repent about it later. No, God's, God's too smart for that. We don't tempt God. But, but we, we need to have an ongoing um, posture of repentance, of humble repentance. But really, to face ourselves, it's very uncomfortable. But that's what the prophet, that's what God, through this old prophet, who's probably a very old man at this time, who had a short ministry, but it was a very needful ministry, that's what he's calling on them to do and us to do today to consider your ways, to examine yourselves, to ponder the path of thy feet. So I want to ask this question. And this, this is not just to the youth. This is not just to the young people. This is to all of us. But I want you to, to listen to this question and answer. And that is, answer in your heart, who has your ear? Who has your ear? What voices are you listening to? What voices are you allowing inside your heart, your mind? And what voices are you maybe turning a deaf ear to? Who has your ear? What voices are you listening to? What voices are you allowing into your heart and to speak into your life? And then what voices are you maybe turning a deaf ear to? Consider your ways. He says in verse verse 6, so... In verse four, is is it uh, or, or verse two? They're saying, you know, the time has not come. The time's not right. We will. We we are going to rebuild this temple. We're going to do it, but just not yet. Not now. Not yet. The time's not right. Then he says, consider your ways. Then he says in verse six, ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. He that earneth wages, he's earning wages, earning money just to put it into a bag of holes. It's just like it's just it's just going. Where did the money go? They're not prospering in their neglect of the Lord. They're not prospering in their neglect of the uh, Lord's worship, of the proper worship of the Lord, of the rebuild of the temple. Listen, he says in verse nine. He says, "Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home." I did blow upon it. That's what God's saying. He says, why? Because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every, one, every man into his own house. God is a jealous God. God will not have a rival. God will not be, God will not be shared. God is a jealous God, brothers and sisters. He has every right to be. He deserves and demands our full attention, our complete worship, our complete, sincere devotion. And you will not, and I will not prosper when we neglect God. Right here. He says, therefore, so, so why did I, I blow upon your lands? Why are you not prospering? Why are, why are your crops not doing well, and, and, and you're earning wages, and, but, but it just seems like it's just... It's just Go, there's a hole there, 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 your money's gone. Why is that? Because mine house 
is wasted, is neglected, and you're running everyone into your own house. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I, God is saying, called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. God knows how to get our attention, doesn't He? God is the one that sent that drought. God is the one who called the God of the rain, the God who controls the weather, the God who controls how your crops are going to do, is the one who brought this drought. He knows how to get our attention. Hebrews chapter 12, the writer would say, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is, is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. So I will say this. When God gets our attention, and when He punishes us, that is, a, that is a sign that your Father loves you. Your Father loves you enough. Your Father in Heaven, kids, just like when your parents have to discipline you, it is a sure sign that they love you. They love you too much to let you go on in a way of disobedience and rebellion or neglect. It's the same with our Heavenly Father. He knows how to get our attention. Well, how are the people going to react? How are Joshua and Zerubbabel, who are kind of the, the leaders of the, of the, supposed to be the leaders of the rebuild, how are they going to react? Well, let's be honest. Who likes to be criticized and rebuked? I mean, it's, it's pretty embarrassing and it's definitely uncomfortable. And again, our, our um, default is to defend ourselves. Of course, we get defensive. You don't know what it's like. These Samaritans and these other neighboring I mean, it's scary. We just were in, in captivity for however long. And now we, we, try, we started to rebuild the foundation of the, of, of, of the house of the Lord, of the temple. But then they start intimidating us. They start writing these letters to the king to, to try to stop this. And well, and then as time went on, we just kind of forgot about it. And we, got, we started pouring our time and our energy and our money into our own houses, our own interests, our own hobbies. Nobody likes to be rebuked. But what is the people's response? And before I actually, we're going to find the people's response through verse 12, through the end of the chapter, verse 15. But before I do that, I want to give this exhortation. If you'll remember in July at our meeting, Brother Timothy, when he spoke on lessons from the life of King David, and you remember Jonathan, David and Jonathan had this, this special friendship and Brother Timothy exhorted us to find a Jonathan, to find a Jonathan, a friend like Jonathan, or to be a Jonathan. Well, I want to exhort you, young people, to find a Haggai. 
to find a Haggai, to find an older person and learn from them. Invest in them. Spend time with them. Ask them questions and then actually listen to their answers. Find a Haggai. Older person, I'm looking at you. I'm just not calling you out by name. <laughs> Older person, be t- take the initiative to be a Haggai, Brother Jarrett. <laughs> take the initiative to be a Haggai in some young person's life. Invest in them. Pour into them. Share your mistakes, your sins, and then how God has brought you out of that. Find a Haggai young person and an older person, be a Haggai. Haggai was an older man. Again, didn't have very long of a ministry. And not very pleasant one. At least at the start, to come in and just rebuke these people. What's wrong with you? What's the people's response? You know what, before I do that, I did this at, at, at Salt and Light. I want to just read a few ver- uh, read some Psalms and Proverbs on the, the benefits of finding a Haggai. Just listen to these. If you want to write them down and look them up later, then do it. Proverbs 6.23 For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and the reproofs of instruction, ouch, not pleasant, But what does God's Word say about the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. The way of life are found from reproofs of instruction. Proverbs 9, verses 8 and 9. Reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. Let me ask you this. Which one will you be? Younger person. Will you be the the wise man who listens to the rebuke? Or are you going to be the foolish, the scorner? Proverbs 15 verse 5. A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is wise. Again, which one will we be? Are we going to be the foolish man or the wise man? Proverbs 27.6 Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. This was Haggai's ministry here. Wasn't a very, again, not a very pleasant one. But how are we going to respond? Let's listen and, and find out how Joshua and Zerubbabel led the Jews here to respond. So, Here's their response. Verse 12, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. They responded with obedience and worship. They responded by obeying and fearing. You know, that takes a lot of humility. That takes a lot of supernatural humility, honestly. Something that we don't possess naturally. But these people responded to this harsh, harsh, in a good way, it should have been harsh, 
this very hard rebuke that they had to endure because of their own neglect. And instead of just justifying themselves and arguing, they respond by obeying and fearing the Lord. You know what, Haggai? We need to repent. You're right. You're right. We have been neglectful. Our priorities have been misplaced. We do need to consider our ways and ponder the path of our feet. They respond by obedience and fearing the Lord. You know, I believe it's 1 Samuel 15 when... You remember God through Samuel... Uh, God sends Samuel to King Saul to give him the job of, of destroying the Amalekites. Destroying them completely. Making sure their king, Agag, their livestock, all of them are utterly destroyed. These are enemies of God. Enemies of the Jews. You remember King Saul did almost like, you're talk, like 98% of the job he did he, did. he just left some of the, the best of the livestock because he was going to use it to, to, to you know, use it as a sacrifice to the Lord. And he did keep Agag. But everything else, he did it. He carried it out. So God was happy, right? Wrong. Wrong. What does he say in that famous verse? I forget the, the actual verse in 1 Samuel 15. To obey is better than sacrifice. So we can... We can come to church and be singing as we ought to sing and, and listening to the message. And, and we can be serving others and, and, and things like that. Maybe reading our Bibles. Yet, maybe there's certain, certain uh, areas where we are being neglectful and we are not obeying. Maybe it's not treating my brother or sister right. Maybe I'm watching the movie that behind my parents' back that I know that they would not want me to watch or something like that. Or we could, we could apply it to our own, the older folks as well. To obey is better than sacrifice, is what Samuel told Saul. And praise God. Praise God. They obeyed and they feared the Lord. They took God seriously. They took this prophet, this messenger of God, Seriously. Well, let me go to some Proverbs now on obedience and fearing the Lord and how God feels about that. This may sound very simplistic, but you know how to make God happy? The Lord of the universe, the triune God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that just means He owns everything by His... Power, the word was created, the world was created. How to make him happy? It says in Psalm 147:11, the Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. You want to give God pleasure? Fear him. Fear, take him seriously. Obey him. Proverbs 9:10, we know it, but let's not just gloss over it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy or the holy one is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 14.27 The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. 
Proverbs 19.23, The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Proverbs 22.4, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. You want to know the path to true happiness? to true riches and honor, the path to the good life. Everybody wants, wants a, a, a good life. Where is that found? It's found in humility and in the fear of the Lord. And that's how they respond. That's how Joshua and Zerubbabel lead the people to respond in obedience and fear. And then verse 13, and this is such a comforting verse. Child of God, believer in Jesus Christ, Take heart, take comfort. You who have been neglectful and I who have maybe been neglectful, we've been spiritually dry and spiritually cold. Take heart, repenting Christian. Verse 13, Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, Oh, now you come back to me after 15 years. You think I'm going to forgive you now? Aren't you thankful that God doesn't hold grudges towards His truly repentant, contrite children? What does He say in verse 13? Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. I am with you. The friend that sticks closer than a brother. The God of the universe who sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to love you, repenting sinner, and give Himself for you, believer in Jesus Christ. I am with you. Isn't that comforting? Aren't you thankful for a God like that? Aren't you thankful for a God who... does not despise the, uh, uh, a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. I mean, think about David here in Psalm 51. I mean, I can't imagine having my sins documented forever and ever and ever. But yet, God is a forgiving God towards His repentant, towards those who are repentant. He does not despise a broken and contrite spirit, and He is with you. He is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Again, those, aren't, those, those are good verses that we can put on our bathroom mirror and, and remind ourselves of, and that's a good thing to do. This actually, they're actually real. This is actual truth. God is with you. I am with you. And then, I love this, to to close. How does Joshua and Zerubbabel respond to that? It says they obey and they fear the Lord. Well, there's some action that comes with that. There's some action that comes with that. He that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So what is their response? Love it. Verse 14, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. I love this phrase. 
And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. You know, we have all these cool sayings, young people. Man, I was doing work on the basketball court. You should have seen me. Well, these people came and did work to rebuild the house of God, to get their priorities where they they were supposed to be. They were stirred up. They were aroused from their spiritual stupor. And they did work in the house of the Lord, their God. And so my final just application and exhortation is may this work that needs to be stirred up in I, repentance, what leads to revival? You won't ever get a revival without true repentance. May it start in me. May it start in our own individual hearts, our own individual, our own marriages, our own homes, our own families. And may God stir up and awaken our churches, our cities, our country to consider our ways to turn from our sins and to follow hard after God. May God be glorified. Let me end in prayer. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for sending prophets uh, like Haggai, Lord, that, that had to speak some hard sayings there. Uh, but, but, oh Lord, may we take heed. Uh, may You bless uh, the younger folks to find somebody like that, to find an older person in this church and to learn from them, to be willing to be rebuked, uh, to be willing to be uh, exhorted. And Lord, may the older folks... Uh, Find somebody like that and invest in them. And Lord, just bless us. Bless us as a church. If there's any way that we're neglecting you, would you show that to us and then bless us to have the humility to see that and to to turn and obey and fear you, Lord. Um, God, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for all the sins of your people, Lord. And I pray if anyone here that does not know you, Lord, does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their